Amen. So at uh, this time in our worship, we're going to turn to God's Word. We're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and we are up to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 uh, to 20, the fulfillment of the law. It will be uh, up on the screen behind me so that you can follow along. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so I, I saw this thing online this week. This is, you know, the middle of January is sort of the time when all the New Year's resolutions that we make, you know, start to maybe slip a little bit. And, you know, those, the, those commitments that we made to do this or that. And, you know, one of those things a lot of, a lot of uh, believers read the Bible, you know, through in, in one year. And so this, this Christian author, he wrote this. He said, if you've fallen behind on your plan to read through the Bible in a year, don't get discouraged. But I've already read through mine three times. We all go at our own pace. I'm midway through my fourth. It doesn't mean that you're a pathetic loser. I read it in the original languages. Hang in there. So that's just sort of a funny little example, you know, poking fun at the way that we compare ourselves, the way that we compete, even with something like reading the Bible, um, the way that we can get pretty pharisaical and pretty judgmental and pretty religious, you know, using that bad connotation pretty religious about uh, acts, acts that are good. It's a good thing to read our Bible. But in the words of another book that came out a couple years ago uh, by Pastor Eugene Cho, thou shalt not be a jerk. If you profess to be a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, thou shalt not be a jerk. Don't be a religious hypocrite. Uh, Don't hang it over people. Don't be judgmental and don't look down on the sins that other people struggle with because we all struggle with something. The last couple weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, we've been studying how Jesus calls his followers to be different than the culture that's around them. Remember last week we looked at uh, the salt and the light and I realized that my salt is still in the pulpit up here, which I like. It's a reminder. We'll keep it up there for a while. 
But to be, you know, to be different from the culture that's around us, the secular culture or the sort of broadly spiritual culture that's around us. And if, if salt loses its saltiness, it's thrown out. If salt doesn't mix in and flavor and preserve, then it's, it's lost. This week, Jesus turns his attention to the other side of things. And he says that my followers are even different than religious people. My followers are different than the Pharisees. My followers are different than the teachers of the law who were so obsessed with the law and the scriptures that they missed Jesus. That they missed the way that he compels us to live. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they did the right things, but they did them for the wrong reasons. And Jesus shows us how to live differently so that we're not falling off the horse on this side into secularism, living however we want to live, pretending there's no God. We're not falling off the horse on this side, being religious, being judgmental, looking down on people. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at three things. We're going to look at how Jesus addresses the Pharisees, and then how he addresses us, and how he fulfills the law. How Jesus addresses the Pharisees, how he addresses us, and then how he fulfills the law. How we can actually live. How our righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees. So verse 17, Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I haven't come to to destroy them. Maybe people are already accusing him. You know, because he mixes with everyone, because he hangs out with drunkards and prostitutes and the people that are outcasts, people are saying, "You, you, you don't follow the law. Jesus is saying, yes, I do follow the law. And I didn't come to destroy it. I didn't come to throw it out. I came to fulfill it. There was, a, uh, there was a book that came out about 20 years ago called The Bible Jesus Read. And it was a great book by Philip Yancey that looked at the Old Testament, you know, what we call the Old Testament. That was the Bible that Jesus had, that he knew, that he would, you know, would have known since he was a boy and studied saying, I'm not throwing that away. He's saying, all of this has been pointing to me. Every word of the scriptures, the law, the prophets, the New Testament, is about me. Do you remember the time at the end of Luke, in chapter, uh, chapter 24, when these two disciples are walking to Emmaus, and Jesus comes up alongside them, but they don't recognize him? And it says that Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That would have been the greatest Bible study that the world has ever seen. Where Jesus is walking alongside them and saying, you know that part from Ezekiel? That's about me. You know that part about Isaiah? That's about me. You know way back in Genesis? 
That's about me. And he's explaining it to them. He's unpacking how the scriptures all point to him. Jesus didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. He, he goes on in verses 18 and 19. He says, not one iota changes, not the crossing of a T, not the dotting of an I. As long as the world is here, as long as this world are here, so into our day, nothing is, is, is changed. And if you relax those commands, you're going to be the least in the kingdom of God. And all of this these three verses are really an introduction to what we're going to study in the weeks to come. Because Jesus is going to unpack it for us with these real-life situations. With, you know, anger and lust and divorce and oaths and loving your enemies and all the rest. Jesus is, is saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you won't even get into the kingdom of heaven. One commentator says, unless your righteousness is greater than that of the Bible teachers. How's, how's that going to be? How's it going to be that, that you and I, just normal people, how is our righteousness going to exceed that of these people that have been seeped in the scriptures their whole lives? The Pharisees, their whole job was to study the scriptures and teach other people. That's all they did and all they had known since they were young boys. How would our righteousness exceed that of them? Jesus is saying, and throughout his ministry, he's going to say again and again that their hearts are not in the right place that they may do the right things, but they do them for the wrong reasons. Maybe the equivalent today is something like this. You know, people that go to church so that other people will see them and think, wow, that person must be so close to God. Or people who, who give money to charity, but only to get the approval of other people. To think, wow, they're so generous, they're so amazing. Or people that, you know, maybe they haven't had an actual affair, but they, they cross boundaries. And they have emotional affairs. And they look lustfully on people. Jesus says, their actions may be right, but their hearts are all wrong. So... That's how Jesus addresses these Pharisees. He challenges them. He says that his disciples, that their righteousness can exceed that. And that they can, they can have a pure heart. So what, what does Jesus say to us when we are legalistic? When we're judgmental? When we forget that we're sinners saved by grace? The main question really is, you know, is your heart in the right place? Are our hearts in the right place? I mean, how do you, how do you even talk about it? How, how, can I, how can I preach about it? Because the minute I do that, I'm forgetting that I'm a sinner saved by grace. 
the thing we have to do is just examine our own hearts, examine our motives, and recognize that no matter what our struggle is, we're no better than anyone else. Jesus, later in this sermon, is going to talk about taking the log out of your own eye before you help your brother or sister with the speck. And I think that is the the attitude that we have to bring to these kinds of questions. You know, to really think about it. It's easy to pick on certain groups of people. It's easy to pick on, you know, the the rebellious folks or the people who we feel like have walked away. And yet, we all have our own struggles. It, it, it's good for, our, for us, it's good for our souls, it's good for our walk with Christ to say, you know, where are those signs that I'm being pharisaical? Where are the signs that I'm looking down on other people? Uh, where are the signs that I think I'm better than others because I claim to be a Christian? A couple of things in my life that I can tell I'm being a Pharisee when I'm alienating to people that, I, that disagree with me. You know, we all have disagreements about things. It, we're in, living in a very divisive time. And there is good and evil and right and wrong. But how do we disagree with people? How do we fight fair? How, um, how do we avoid the temptation to, to, to look down on certain sins? And, you know, to, or... or um, to, to, to pick on people that struggle with, with certain things. When we, when, we are, when we push away people, when we're um, so disagreeable, when we're not charitable, even if we disagree, that's when I know I'm being a Pharisee. When, when I'm afraid of groups of people or when I want to distance myself from certain people, you know, I don't want to be around those people. I don't, I don't like being in these rural areas, or I don't like being downtown, or I don't like being around those people. That's a Pharisee. When I, when I try to get God in my debt through obeying the rules, that's being a Pharisee. When I think, okay, well, I'm not struggling with this right now, so I'm feeling good about my relationship with God, or I, I, I'm feeling okay. That's just works righteousness. That's not how God wants us to live. We can't get God in our debt. We can't make him love us any more than he already does. That's just being a Pharisee. That's just checking off boxes. So, if that's If that's not how God wants us to live, how does he want us to live? Uh, Because we can't just throw it all out. We can't just live however we want to live. We've got to know and understand and live into this idea that Jesus fulfilled the law. That's the title of the sermon, right? That's, That's what he says here. Jesus fulfills the law. Well, what does that mean for you and me on a daily basis? What does that mean if we're a follower of Jesus, that he's fulfilled the law? When he says here, 
I have fulfilled the law. What he means is that he's obeyed it. He's obeyed the whole law, not just in his actions, but from his heart. He's obeyed it as it should be obeyed. He's done the right things for the right reasons. Think about when you're raising kids. You know, you you don't want them to obey you just to get rewarded. Or, you know, you don't don't want to have to bribe your kids to get them to, to act kindly. We want our kids to, um, to obey out of their love. And that's, that's how God works as well. And that's what Jesus has fulfilled. You know, he lived this righteous life. He didn't just, uh, you know, he's going to talk about this later. We're going to study it, right? But he doesn't just not kill anybody. He doesn't insult people. He doesn't just not have an affair, but he doesn't even look on a woman lustfully. He's fulfilled the law. He lived a perfect and loving life. And his righteousness goes way beyond the Pharisees and the scribes. To use a picture that Jesus used, it wasn't just the outside of the cup that was clean, but the inside as well. Jesus' actions were perfect, and his heart was perfect. To to use one example, look at the way that he dealt with the woman that was caught in adultery. She was dragged over to him. And it was a situation like this. I mean, the, the Pharisees brought her, and they said, Moses, the law, Moses said this, but what do you say? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him to break the law. They're trying to uh, set him up so that they can get rid of him. And Jesus said this brilliant thing. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And slowly but surely, from the oldest to the youngest, They all walked away. And then Jesus said to her, Where are they? Do none of them condemn you? I don't condemn you either. So Jesus shows her this incredible grace. I'm not condemning you either. You've done what is wrong, but I don't condemn you either. And then he shows her truth. Because he says to her, Go and leave your life of sin. God didn't create you to live like this. Don't go on doing this. You're only hurting yourself. Go and leave your life of sin. Jesus said that with a a pure heart. And all that Jesus did, that fulfillment of the law, it's given to us. It's handed over to us. Theologians say it's imputed to us. It's given over through this amazing process. Of, you know, when we, when we become followers of Jesus, when we commit our lives to him, we, we're admitting, we're admitting, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And yet, we also recognize that we've been freed, that we've been freed from the curse, that the minute we put our faith in Jesus, all of our past sins and all of our future sins are wiped away. They're paid for. Jesus, they were nailed on the cross with Jesus. He took upon all of our sin and our shame and our fears and our guilt. He took them upon himself and he paid for them so that we have true freedom and liberation. And God gives us his Holy Spirit, which transforms our hearts. So he's, remember, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples here. They've already committed to following him. And he's saying, you know, now, now you obey out of love. The Holy Spirit is transforming your heart and working on you. And so, you know, Paul can write this in Romans 13. Love is the fulfillment of the law. When you recognize how much Jesus has done for you, that he's paid a debt that you could never pay, it changes your actions. You, you love people because you've been loved. We love because he first loved us. Dale Bruner, uh, who I'm reading his commentary on Matthew, he said, the law is not a hammer on our heads, but a red carpet that leads us to heaven. That's an incredible statement, that the law is not a hammer on our heads, but a red carpet that leads us to heaven. So often we can feel beat up. We, just, we can just feel like, I can't live up to this. I can't jump through all these hoops. And the, the, the crazy thing is that everybody has those sorts of hoops, right? Conservatives have the, the sorts of hoops. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. Liberals have this hoop. If, if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're out. Everybody sets up these religious systems because then we can evaluate people. Then we can say, you're in and you're out. Whereas Jesus has this third way. When we recognize what he's done for us, we place our faith in him. And the spirit comes into our life and changes so that we begin to do the right things for the right reasons. So that our actions change. So that our heart begins to love the things that God loves. And that's how our righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees. Because we, they're doing things out of duty. They're doing things because they don't want to be kicked out. That's how the religion works. But for followers of Jesus, we do things because we want to please our Father. We do things because we want to please God who's done so much for us. There's a beautiful hymn that um, William Cowper wrote. He was, a, he was a friend of the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, and this has a familiar ring to it. He says, To see the law of Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice, can change a slave into a child, 
and duty into choice. We've seen the law of Christ fulfilled in Jesus. We've heard his voice that pardons us, that forgives us, that wipes the slate clean. And that makes us not, not a slave, not an older brother, Pharisee type, but it changes us into a child, into a child that trusts their father, into a child that wants to please their father. It's not a duty, it's a choice. And that is how we fulfill, we walk in that. That is how Jesus changes us. That is how our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. That's how we live a life of love. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus has fulfilled the law for us. That it all points to him. And that through faith, Jesus has given us his righteousness. That he's clothed us in that. So that we can walk in newness of life. So that we can know that we have true freedom in you. Holy Spirit, continue to work in us and through us to make us more like Jesus. To live a life not of fear, but of love. Move in us, Lord, so that we love you more and more, and that love is expressed to those around us. Thank you for your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.